But let's go to the Lord now, the giver of joy and uh, the giver of the good news. So let's pray. Our God and Father, we thank you for the gift of your Son. Lord, we can never have imagined the, the, the greatness of this gift. Lord Jesus, we, we marvel at the story. We marvel at what you've done. We marvel at even how you came, how you stepped from heaven, from the throne. You came to earth and you emptied yourself and you became a servant to us. And Lord, as a servant, you even died a criminal's death. But you rose again from the dead and now you're exalted to the right hand of the Father. We praise you for this. We praise you for who you are. And now I pray, Lord, as we come together to uh, learn a little bit more about your word, more about the Christmas story. I pray that you would fill us with the tidings of joy, that we may share the good tidings and the good news with those around us who so desperately need it. And we will give you thanks and praise for what you will do here in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to tell you a little bit about a, a silly little Thanksgiving tradition in the Hawkins household. Our tradition is still alive. We were only able to celebrate it with just three of us this year. It was Kitty and Gabriel and myself. And after a most excellent meal with the centerpiece of uh, smoked turkey, we took a nap, and then we sat in front of the tube, and we watched the Christmas story. And that was kind of our tradition. That's a harmless little movie. You know, it took place in northern Indiana, you know, where I grew up. But it was nostalgic of sorts for me. You know, after all the things we've been through in 2021. And as we know, Christmas 2021 is right around the corner. And for me, it can't come fast enough. Because when December 25th gets here, we only have one more week until we close the books on this year. The craziest year I've ever seen in my life. You know, we had sickness and even death has, has visited even Grace United this year. And then as a country, and even as a planet, we have experienced one health crisis after another. The world economies have tanked. Violence in the streets, the ongoing persecution of Christians in so many nations, and the continual tearing in the fabric of our culture. It seems that the theme of this year can be summed up in one word, survival. But we don't want to get too gloomy, though, because some good things have happened as well. You know, births of babies have uh, touched us as Grace United. Some have landed good jobs. Relationships have strengthened, even in the midst of crisis, hard times. And traditions here at Grace United have been strengthened as well. You know, we've celebrated nine years as a church. And I just praise God for that. And we made a, a good ministry even better as we've streamlined the Operation Christmas Child shoebox ministry. And though we had to cancel our annual hymn sing uh, for this year, and we still need to pray. We need to continually pray for the Helmick family. We now begin our four-part Christmas series. For this, too, is a tradition that we've developed over the years. And for all of us who've made Grace and I Family Church our home, you know that we've tried to frame the Christmas series in various ways. Now, we don't want to tell the Christmas story in the same way over and over again, lest our retelling of this amazing story of the Messiah's birth gets lost in the midst of routine. And so for 2021, we're going to tell the birth of Christ through the lens of salvation. 
For indeed, there would be no reason for Christmas if salvation wasn't at least somewhere in the mind of God. Do you agree with this? So let me tell you where I'd like for us to go in this series over the next four weeks. Today we're going to set this message up as sort of a a prelude to the final three weeks. And we're going to ask the question today, who needs Christmas? In week two, we're going to take a look at the wonder of God's promise of salvation in providing it. In week three, we're going to focus on the gift of God's salvation, that of course being the Messiah, Jesus. And in week four, we're going to end the series by putting things together in a most exciting way, discovering how God's gift of salvation keeps on giving. And so today we ask the question, who needs Christmas? What I'm going to do is I'm going to give you the answer up front. And the answer is, we all do. We all need Christmas. But lest you tune me out, because you already know the answer, I want you to come with me, okay? I want to unpack some of this. For I see three kinds of people. One kind of person needs Christmas to get what he wants. A second kind of person needs Christmas to see a deeper meaning than Christmas on the surface. And a third kind of person is crying out for real meaning of Christmas and is in anguish until they find it. But how do we come to have these kinds of people in our culture anyway? I think there's a reason. We have Christmas Americanized. In other words, it is tradition, tradition, tradition. Our traditions have affected all of us in the culture over the years. Some of us have been profoundly affected in these traditions. But let me remind us, though, of the beginning of Christmas. Because Christmas didn't start, you know, in 2020, did it? It didn't start in, in even 1700. It started a long time ago, didn't it? The early Christians did not celebrate the birth of Christ at all. Did you know that? For them, the issue was not the birth of Christ, his first coming, but his second coming. They were too busy proclaiming the gospel and the reign of the king and how the king accomplished salvation by dying and rising again. In other words, they were looking forward much more to the coming of Christ again than they were to look backwards when it came to their followership of Christ. But gradually, over the years, things began to settle. And an increasing emphasis then was placed on the birth stories found in the Gospels of Matthew and Luke. And that the birth of Jesus ought to be honored and celebrated. And after all, how could Christians anticipate Christ's second coming and forget about his first coming? See, there was a little bit of a shift after a little while. See, it would only be fitting to celebrate the birth of the king. And then when it comes to modern day celebrations of Christmas, though, much tradition was formed, quite frankly, so that businesses can make a buck. For example, why do we see Santa the way we see him now? There's two things that formed our vision and our view of Santa Claus. Number one, it was Coca-Cola. And number two, it was the Saturday Evening Post. Think about Christmas cards. Where would we be without Christmas cards? Where would we be without Christmas wrappings? That's a multi-billion dollar industry. Now, I'll be the first to say that it's not wrong to spend money on Christmas sayings, you know, to, to make the season bright. But can we go overboard with this? <laughs> I think we can, can't we? How many of us have done that? 
I know we have. It's like, you know, you, you think about little kids, you know, and you give them a, a Christmas present. And what do they do? You know, before they understand the concept of a Christmas present, what do they do? They, they play with the box. That's right. And they play with the wrapping. But they don't even understand what's inside that box, do they? And so my thinking is, if, if you've got little kids or little grandkids, what do you do? Just give them the box. That's all you need. Save a whole lot of money, right? You can do that. Now, I'm not really saying that. I just kind of throw that in there. But how many people have gotten caught up with the things surrounding Christmas and have missed the point? And when you think about it, perhaps the early settlers in this country were onto something by making Christmas celebrations even illegal. It was punishable back then in some places in our country for a time. Now, I mentioned a little bit ago about the silly tradition in the Hawkins household about watching the Christmas story on Thanksgiving to kind of kick the season off. But I see in this movie one kind of person affected by Christmas, one who uses Christmas to get what he wants. In the Christmas story, Ralphie tries to convince his parents that the best Christmas present ever is a Red Ryder BB gun an official carbine action 200-shot range model with a compass in the stock and this thing which tells time. Ralphie dreams about the exploits he can do. He is willing to do just about anything to get his gun. But Ralphie has a problem. He is not able to get his gun because it is too dangerous to have one. He keeps hearing a certain message from the parental figures in his life, especially his mom and Miss Shields, his teacher, You'll shoot your eye out. Days go by. Christmas is coming ever so close. Running out of options, Ralphie remembers one avenue. The big man, the connection, Santa. But even Santa fails him. As he literally slides away from Santa, Ralphie hears once again, You'll shoot your eye out, kid. All seems lost. But Dad has been listening. He swoops in and saves the day. On Christmas morning, Ralphie opens his greatest present ever, an official carbine action 200-shot range model Red Ryder BB gun with a compass in the stock and this thing which tells time. To get the gun of his dreams, Ralphie needed Christmas, and Christmas delivered. I love that movie. It's fun. But how many people use Christmas to get what they want? It may not be a Red Ryder BB gun. It may be something else, like a reason to get together with family or to make gingerbread cookies or to give the best and most expensive presents or a whole host of other reasons why they get together and they observe Christmas. Now, are any of these things evil in and of themselves? Well, they could be, depending on one's motive for doing these things. But even if our motive is pristine, what do any of these things have to do with the birth of Jesus and the salvation found in him and him alone? How much of this has to do with tradition more than anything else? Second kind of person is what I classify as one in need. He has a real problem with Christmas. Perhaps he has bad memories, or the culture has told her that she needs to shell out more money in order to have a good Christmas for her family, whatever that means. Or as we would classify 
Maybe this is an elderly person. All of his family has moved away, and he himself is alone again for Christmas. There's another Christmas story that is very popular in our culture, how the Grinch stole Christmas. The Grinch lived high above Whoville, hating the Who's, everything about them. And worst of it all was their Christmas celebration. So, the Grinch had a diabolical idea. He would steal it. He would take everything that the Who's had when it came to Christmas, and he did. Right in the middle of carrying out his plan, the Grinch was discovered by little Cindy Lou Who, who was no more than two. The Grinch told her that he was taking her Christmas tree back to the North Pole because a light was not lit on one side. He would fix it there and bring it back to her house, and it fooled the child. But when the Grinch gathered up from Whoville all things Christmas and was on the verge of throwing it over the edge of Mount Crumpet, he experienced something very unexpected. Poo-poo to the Who's, he was grinchously humming. They're finding out now that no Christmas is coming. They're just waking up. I know just what they'll do. Their mouths will hang open a minute or two. Then the Who's down in Whoville will all cry, Boo-Hoo! That's a noise, grinned the Grinch, that I simply must hear. So he paused, and the Grinch put his hand to his ear, and he did hear a sound rising over the snow. It started low, then it started to grow. But the sound wasn't sad. Why, This sound sounded merry. It couldn't be so. But it was merry. Very. He stared down at Whoville. The Grinch popped his eyes. Then he shook. What he saw was a shocking surprise. Every Who down in Whoville, the tall and the small, was singing without any presents at all. He hadn't stopped Christmas from coming. It came. Somehow or other, It came just the same. And the Grinch, with his Grinch feet ice cold in the snow, stood puzzling and puzzling. How could it be so? It came without ribbons. It came without tags. It came without packages, boxes, or bags. And he puzzled three hours till his puzzler was sore. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more. And what happened then? Well, in Whoville, they say, that the Grinch's small heart grew three sizes that day. And the minute his heart didn't feel quite so tight, He whizzed with his load through the bright morning light, and he brought back the toys and the food for the feast, and he, he himself, the Grinch, carved the roast beast. So what happened to the Grinch? He realized that Christmas was not about the material things that the Who's added to the day. See, for whatever the Who's 
in Whoville sang, their songs sent a message. And that message was sent loud and clear. And the Grinch heard it. And with that, his heart grew three sizes that day. He changed from the inside, and his actions reflected the change. What do we call that? (laughs) Repentance, yeah. The Grinch needed Christmas to expose his need for his heart to change. And the Grinch needed the Who's to show him that Christmas was indeed just a little bit more. There's a third kind of person, one who was searching. She sees the stuff surrounding this thing called Christmas, and she goes on a search. I've got to get to the bottom of all of this, she thinks. So she becomes frantic because she sees the yard ornaments. You've seen them too, right? Santa next to the manger, the Christmas story lamp in broad display, Mickey Mouse, etc., etc., etc. It's all very confusing to her. And the many churches that are decorated with lights and, and Christmas trees and so much more. And it gets to be a bit much. And she becomes overwhelmed. And now we have everybody's favorite cartoon classic, A Charlie Brown Christmas. Here's good old Charlie Brown getting depressed because he sees so much commercialization of Christmas. He bears his soul to Linus only to have Linus say, of all the Charlie Browns in the world, you're the Charlie Browniest. Then along comes Lucy who gets him to direct the Christmas play. And that turns into a disaster. He buys a tree, which is the worst thing in the world. It can't even hold up one ornament. He shows it to the gang, and they all laugh at him. And out of desperation, he calls out, doesn't anybody know what Christmas is all about? And with flawless lines, which was not bad for a little kid, Linus delivered the real Christmas story from the divine source, the Gospel of Luke. And then he simply says, and that's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. Indeed. How we need to listen again to the Christmas story. For we all need Christmas. But do we need Christmas to get what we want? Like Ralphie and his Red Ryder BB gun? Do we need Christmas to expose our need for change as we nurse old wounds or perhaps harbor unforgiveness or even blame the Lord for our pain? Or do we need Christmas to give us a true reminder of what salvation really is all about? So let's hear the Christmas story again for the first time. Now I'm sure you're going to notice as I read this story that I'm going to go back and forth between passages of Scripture. I'm putting it together to try to get a good narrative here and, and maybe fill in some white space to kind of make a, a good story here. So if it sounds like I'm jumping around, well, it's because I am. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, who would bear John the baptizer, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son 
and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child will be born, will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing is impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. And Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country, entered the house of Zechariah, and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. And her husband, Joseph, now knowing Mary was pregnant and was not the father, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce his wife quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took his wife and did not divorce her. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And this was the first registration when Curnius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who is with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be for all the people. For unto you is born in this day the city of David, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. 
when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying which had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told. And that's what Christmas is all about. God the Son, conceived in the womb of a virgin, in fulfillment of a promise to clean up the sin mess that we made. And over the next three weeks, we are going to explore in more detail of the fantastic story of God's salvation in Christ. To God be the glory. Great things He has done. And so, do we need Christmas? Absolutely. Do we need Christmas the way the culture tells us that we need Christmas? Absolutely not. Is it wrong to deck the halls and string the lights and put up the tree and exchange presents? (laughs) What few we can find and afford this year? (laughs) Perhaps, or perhaps not, depending on our motive. The bottom line is simply this. We need to be mature in our approach to Christmas. This is not a season of lights and tinsel. It's not a season of seeing how big the present or how many. Let's not be like the little kid who gets distracted with the box while neglecting what's inside of it. It's all about Messiah, the God-man, coming to earth to show and to be the way of salvation. He, as the bread of life, was placed in a feed box that we might partake of his flesh and drink his blood. He, as the Lamb of God, was wrapped in swaddling cloths so he would be well qualified to be the sacrifice for our sin without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. He who was born king of the Jews 2,000 years ago will return as king of kings and lord of lords before whom every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let's not be like Ralphie. (laughs) Let's not be like the Grinch. Let's not even be like Charlie Brown. Let's be like the shepherds who came and adored Christ and went out and told everybody what they saw and they heard. Let's pray. Tidings of great comfort and joy you've given us in your word. We thank you that it's all written here for us. We know it was written to us because there's a lot of culture, there's language, there's all these kinds of things, and we need to, to kind of dig it and translate. But Lord, we have made a mess of Christmas. We've made a mess in this culture about what it really is all about. We've gotten distracted, Lord, from the real meaning and the real reason and all that goes with it. Because, Lord, in the first century, when you were born, It wasn't with a whole lot of fanfare. Yes, the angels did come, and they did proclaim your birth. But there wasn't a whole lot of Santa Claus. There wasn't anything like that. It was what was announced. It was plain. It was simple. It was straight to the point. 
And Lord, we just thank you. We just thank you for being the one to tell us the truth about who you are, about what you came to do. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us to no longer be distracted, to put things in the proper perspective, to be balanced, but to be true to your word, to be true to the story. And I pray, Lord, that with, with, with hearts that are full and rejoicing, that we would indeed worship you as we ought that we would not worship the tinsel and the lights and all those things, although they're nice. But help us, Lord, to keep that in perspective. Lord, the substance is you. It's not all the trappings and all the things surrounding it. So, Lord, I thank you for this time. I thank you for this season. And, Lord, I thank you for the opportunities that you're going to afford us as we understand a little bit more about Christmas, about your coming. Help us, Lord, to take advantage of the opportunities that you're going to sovereignly place in our way. And we'll give you thanks and praise for them. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for even right now being the evangelist to go out and preparing the hearts of the people so that we can tell them the good news. Lord, I pray that you would help us to turn our attention now to singing and to the giving. I just thank you, Lord, for the way that you have been uh, providing for us over this year. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for nudging your people to give and they've been obedient. I thank you, Lord, for this place. I thank you, Lord, for this time now. Help us, Lord, to give our our voices to you. Help us, Lord, to give our financial resources to you as acts of worship because you alone deserve it. And we thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.